Hey, Michael here. Uh, you will now hear uh, some episodes of the Michael Girdley show that we had branded differently uh, called Unusual Profits or some such like that. Same show, same person, just me interviewing people and producing content that could be helpful on your journey and mine as well. So uh, with no further ado, here's the episode. Hey, Michael here. Uh, sponsor for today's show is actually uh, a product that I'm a part of called DM Bridge. Uh, and what DM Bridge is, uh, is a service that we built uh, to solve the problem that Twitter's direct messaging functionality is a total mess. So we built DM Bridge to help you fix that. Um, a lot of the other solutions uh, do things like requiring you to install a whole nother inbox. We didn't want another inbox, so we created DM Bridge. And what it does is it takes all of your Twitter DMs and has them appear inside of your email inbox. So you can reply to them just like it's a regular email. You see them just like it's a regular email. You can search them later like it's one of your regular emails, all just by using DM Bridge. So uh, we're currently live with the product. I uh, would love for you to sign up and become a customer. Uh, and check it out. So you can find that at dmbridge.app uh, and go on there, put in your name uh, and be either part of the beta or join us as part of the live use of the product. And again, check it out, dmbridge.app. All right, welcome to the How My Business Works podcast. I am Michael Gridley, your faithful host. This week, I am super excited to have a special guest, Bruno Lovato. Did I pronounce that right, Bruno? Yeah, that's good. I mean, there's four names usually, but that's good. <laughs> well, you're from, you're from South America, so I know you can't just get by with two names like us simple Americans. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, excited to have you today. Bruno, it'd be great if you maybe take a minute and, and introduce yourself in terms of your journey, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, originally from South America, been in the States about 11 years, going on 12. Um, started just like any immigrant, three three jobs, half a day off, then moved into, into wireless and at the same time uh, uh, doing my bachelor's degree. So full-time work, full-time uh, student. Once I graduated, I wanted to move into business sales, but the company that I was at that time didn't hire anybody from retail. So I made my own luck. Uh, went to uh, Centos Corporation, which is very well known for their B2B program, and then came back into the wireless side uh, with you know some of the big uh, telecommunication companies and was in that industry for about 10 years, made a lot of friends, made a lot of contacts, and then uh, a real estate vendor, Headhunter, reached out to me and recruited me to a laundry lease or long-term laundry lease uh, company for the real estate uh, multifamily market. And uh, at that time, um, got on with them and looking to buying a business. And that was my first motivation into going into business. And to talking to my network, uh, my friend had an opportunity to buy out a partner on this security business, Elevation Security, that's the name of our business. So I bought a 40% stake on uh, Elevation Security. And uh, I still have a full-time job. My partner also has a full-time job and we uh, run this elevation security business where in three different states, Colorado, Wyoming, uh, Arizona, we have about 60 employees. We have an operations manager, we have regional managers, and uh, we're breaking into that uh, $2 million sales a year uh, range right now. That's great. 
So you're you still have a day job. You're you're doing sales for telecom or yeah yeah yeah. There's a I'm a director of sales for this uh, vendor for the real estate community laundry company. So I basically do five ten year leases uh, with multifamily apartment complexes to run the laundry community laundry operation of it. In addition to also you know running or co-running the elevation security company. So my journey is a little bit different. I think the most entrepreneurs want to do because I still have a W2 employee. And in addition to that, I, I have also an owner's draw from the other side. We're also starting another real estate company. So I guess what I'm trying to say, I mean, there's time for everything. I mean, you, you are a clear example that there's time for everything, right? Yeah. You just got to allocate your time and be committed to it. First commit and then figure it out. Yeah. Well, it's so cool. I mean, your story is precisely what has made, I think, America so great. Like folks like yourself who come here and have ambition and just go for it, right? And just aren't scared. Like, I think that's that's so cool. So so your your employer knows, obviously, that you're, you have side hustles and they're, they're okay with that. That's just part of the Everybody, deal. I mean, these days, if you are in, 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 a, in a large corporation and on a large scale, everybody has some kind of side hustle on it. And, and again, as long as it doesn't discount from what you do day in, day out, I was actually number one salesperson last year on what I do. And, yeah. and so it, it just makes sense, right? These days, most smart companies pay you by performance, not by how many hours you put in. Right. Well, you're, it sounds like your director of strategic accounts job is probably very heavily commission-based, so it makes it easier for them to, to be okay with side hustles for sure. Cool. So tell, tell me about the business. So the business elevation is in, is in Denver. You guys have 13 people. What are, what are the core, who is the customer for the business? What does it do for them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have about 13 full-time employees, but total, uh, we got about 60 employees. So the core market is Colorado. Close second is Arizona and a little bit of Wyoming, just because of the proximity that's Colorado. But basically, our, our main customer, we got about, I would say, 80% of our business is multifamily apartment complexes, student housing, senior living. I mean, you name it, we, we're in it. Then we also have malls, which is retail vertical. And then we also have hotels, hospitality vertical. In addition to that, we do events from time to time, but we, we, we try to, to minimize those. And then, you know, the next step is, is full on corporate security you know, big buildings and all these other things that we're trying to get into and government. Um, but again, we are, uh, we're doing good. We're doing, we're doing very well. There's a lot of things that, that uh, we had to do as soon as I came in just to make sure that the revenues uh, were where they supposed to be. But uh, it's, it, it's one of those things that you got to understand what is your business, right? Our business is not security guards. Our business is peace of mind and not be a nuisance to property management. The less that we hear about them, the better off we're doing. Yeah. So a building owner or an apartment complex, they come to you and say, I need to have you know a person for, for night, whatever. And you find that person and you make sure there's somebody there every day. And the benefit for them is peace of mind and security and happy tenants and all that stuff. Yes. In addition to that, uh, it's uh, roving patrols or patrols. So security night patrols or just red world patrols because uh, having the physical security 24-7, it's very expensive mm-hmm. for uh, a, a property. 
Uh, a lot of properties, what they do is they do roving patrols with basically three to five times a night. Somebody will come through with a car, walk the halls and, and move on right to the next property um, and different things. But yeah, um, most most physical security happens at night. So most of our, our work is done between 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. And of course, we do have uh, other properties with 24-7 and usually two people at night and one person uh, during the day. And so these these are the folks that I see that are the they're they're not armed typically they're there correct um, and they're acting as security so so how much does say that individual take home what is their typical salary or, or does it vary in terms of what they get paid to be that security guard it very it varies the market but you know it's fifteen dollars an hour plus fifteen to seventeen it's unarmed uh, we don't do any armed services mostly because of the liability. Uh, piece of it and you're pretty much uninsurable i mean just to get insurance on what we do it's really hard you really have to convince uh insurance companies to to insure you and basically the hardest part of it is getting people through the door and especially in this labor market uh that they're reliable right like we had a lot of recent issues with people getting hired uh, and they just don't show up for the first day Right. Uh, that's just how the labor market is these days. And then, so you're paying these folks fourteen to sixteen dollars an hour, sometimes more, sometimes less. And they are independent contractors, or are they employees of your company? No, no, they're 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 W two employees. So they're W two employees. And then you turn yes. around, and there is a annual contract or a monthly contract to provide those security services that you then charge the charge the building owner, and and that gross margin is how you guys have a business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, you baked in all your admin costs, communication costs. You usually have to have a communication device per location just for the property to call in. You got to have an answering service. So it's 24 seven. Uh, so the residents can reach out to them and in turn, they can dispatch whoever needs to be dispatched to these things. Yeah. I mean, there's software vendor, make sure that people are walking the buildings. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of it that goes behind. Yeah. So you're having to turn around then and, you know, e- even though it may look like you're you're marking those folks labor up a lot, there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes in terms of infrastructure and that sort of thing to make it to make it practical and make it safe and deliver the the benefit the customer wants. So I, I would guess you're maybe marking it up two times or, or more. I mean, these these buildings have to be paying you. $30, $40 an hour typically to, to have security on site? Is that how, how it breaks down? It's a little bit less than that. Uh, but uh, the margins in the security business is not as high depending on what kind of uh, security you're providing and depending on what kind of building you're you're taking in. But we want to stay in the 20% to 25% when everything is said and done range of, of profit. Because again, like we got to provide uniforms for our people. We got to provide you know vehicles on the roaming patrols. They're, they're, in addition to that, uh, you know, the, the insurance piece is possibly our second biggest expense after, you know, labor, like workers' comp, general liability, umbrella insurance, all those pieces, you know, add up quite a bit. Yeah, that's, that's smart. Okay. Well, and it seems like the hard part about this business is just the labor management, right? How do you find people, the good people, and, and how do you retain them? You know, obviously, one strategy there would be just to pay more than the next guy, but that's that hurts with profits. What what is y'all's strategy to try to win win business and or and win win the employees like you want them? 
Yeah. So, I mean, we, we do have uh, a great uh, communication piece and also work-life balance for our employees. So our regional managers uh, are actually the backbone of the company, basically. You know, they, they are great to work for. We, we make sure that they get things done. But we give them the leeway also for them to uh, accommodate employees as much as they possibly need. And uh, especially in a security business, a lot of these companies, they don't have that flexibility. So people do stay with us, but it, it's still hard to just even get people through the door and, and be able to maintain them, you know, a, a long time. But our, our regional managers uh, are the ones that, that definitely, you know, we, we, we keep for a long time and, and we want them for a long time in here. Turnover, of course, it, it's definitely an issue, but you, you, you hit it right uh, when you said the hardest part of the business is getting people through the door. Uh, the sales piece of it, just because my partner and I have a sales background, is not as hard. And in fact, we actually have to pace ourselves when it comes to sales because uh, it's a very cash-intensive business. It's an B2B service, right? So you literally provide the service, you bill 30 days, and you don't get paid usually until 60 days. So you got to cover four payrolls before you very, uh, get your first money from from your customers so cash flow management is a is a pretty important part of the business wow so lots of questions about that so but first how how are you recruiting the security guards like what what works in terms of finding people is it you know online indeed facebook ads is it word of mouth what what what's proven to work for you in terms of recruiting people it's all of the above. Uh, a lot of it is referrals, like people that currently work for us that have somebody in mind. That's what works the best, but we got to do everything at this point, like literally just like call calling people, trying to recruit them from other companies. Wow. Or and that's another thing like we do with regional managers. Uh, they actually go on sites, you know, site visits just to make sure a customer's good. And then they will knock on the door of the building right next door that is with somebody else. And they will try to recruit their people if they cannot get, you know, the first first order of business, try to get that business if you can. If you cannot, second, you go try to recruit those people from that company. Yeah. It sounds like it's super competitive for the labor market. Like, but that just sounds really tough. And all yeah. the stimulus, the stimulus stuff and the extended unemployment during COVID, that that couldn't have helped at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, on both sides, on both sides, you know, you, you got the good and the bad because we got the PPP loan, which uh, definitely helped. And we actually raised salaries uh, with that money. And uh, but then you got the other side of the coin, right, that people are getting paid to stay home. Yeah. And on a competitive market, that just makes it hard for everybody just trying to get people through the door. Yeah. What's well, interesting, there's people that are pretty vocal that they don't think that the you know, super high unemployment benefits discouraged people from coming to work. It sounds like you didn't see that. You saw the opposite of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I seen it even on, on large companies and large scale. I still have a lot of contacts with Cintas and all these companies that I worked for before. And they literally calling me, hey, do you have somebody that I can hire for, you know, $100,000 position because I can't get, you know, qualified people through the door. Wow. Yeah, well, that's that's what I saw too. So, so it sounds like your business is structured that there's the central headquarters group, which you're part of, right? You're the CFO and your business partners there, yep. uh, and you're doing you're both doing sales because it comes naturally to you. 
And then there are these regional managers who are responsible for customer fulfillment, right? Making sure the customers are happy. How have you structured those regional managers in terms of compensation and and what their job looks like to align their interests with yours as the business owner? How, how are they getting paid? How, how is that set up? Yeah, perfect. So we have a regional manager in Arizona handling the market. We have a regional manager in Southern Colorado handling Colorado Springs and Denver. And then we have an operations manager that is the regional manager for Northern Colorado, but it's over uh, those two regional managers and basically handles um, everything uh, when it comes to operations uh, piece. And how we structure the compensation is there on salary. And they also, they have a bonus for every referral or renewal that they sign uh, for, for us, basically. So basically, they just got to provide us the lead. And if we close them, we give them uh, a bonus uh, for it. And at this point, they've been with us for quite some time. Uh, they've grown with us. And we recently gave them like, like a 20 to 25 salary increase, actually, with the PPP money. So definitely, we're, we're growing. And every year, has the growth has been exponential. Just to give you an idea, uh, previous year, we did about a million dollars in sales. This year, we're going to get close to $2 million in sales. So it, it's 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 a it's a pretty big jump, and uh, we're trying to manage it and all you know that comes with the growth, right? Because now we have to have other services that we didn't need before, like the answering service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you can just you know have somebody answer the phone at any time, but now we got so many properties and so many residents inside those properties that you know at one point or another a regional manager just got to sleep. So uh, we got to get somebody, uh, some answering service to pick up those calls. Yeah. Well, and with that, you talked about your your cash cash flow cycle, right? You have this net 30 terms. Yeah. So growth is also going to be expensive to you because you have to have working capital to support that. How, how are you guys thinking about that challenge? Or are you just kind of like, go keep looking in the couch cushions for money? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, funny you asked, so as soon as I got in, I did two things of the company. Uh, one was raise prices on the customers that haven't raised price for the last two years, mm-hmm. literally just send a letter and raise, raise, uh, prices on 13 properties that brought in quite a bit of additional money for everybody. How much did you raise them? Uh, 10, 10 to 20%, depending on what it is. We just got them to, uh, on X amount of money per hour. And a lot of them were, you know, qu- quite far from it because they never really got a price increase ever since it got there. And then in addition to that, we also instituted uh, fees, admin fee, communication fee, uh, fuel fee. These are things that were fairly common in the industry and uh, they weren't implemented before I came in. So uh, again, that brought another 10% revenue for us. And um, all new contracts are getting that, all renewals are getting that. And is definitely helping offset, you know, all these things that we incurred uh, on the last year when it comes to paying more for people and also getting additional services because we're growing. Yeah, that's great. So uh, stepping back a little bit to this net 30 challenge, right? Like the, the best businesses have negative cash conversion cycles, which means they get paid ahead of time. And the, yes. the customer does that. Given Given this market, what have you experimented with just telling people like, look, it's net five or it's pay upon invoice or it's pay. Yeah, so actually all new contracts we're doing net 15, Okay, but the old ones are still net 30. What we've done really well 
because another thing that I did when I come in is we got to hire a professional bookkeeper. Yeah. And so we got a bookkeeper and she also does our collections for us. And now we literally get on everybody as soon as the bills do. And we're enforcing the late fees. That was another thing, enforcing the late fees when people were, were paying. So now we're basically getting all this additional revenue that we should have gotten for years. But now it makes a big difference, right? Because a late payment is a 10% on, on whatever your past due behind. Um, in addition to that, you know, it helps with cash flow. Then you don't have to worry about it, uh, you know, because there, there were customers when I came in that they were 90 days, 120 days past due. And so with a couple of customers, what we literally have to do is like, unless you pay us by the end of the week, we're not going to show up for service that night. And uh, hey, magically, they found money and they pay us, right? <laughs> uh, is that is that some? Uh, you're from Lima, Peru. Is that some? Is that some Peru business tactics that you're bringing to America, or that uh, how did you come up with that idea? Uh, well, I mean, especially when you are in the security business, they have security for a reason, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, their building have some issues, or the tenants themselves, because it's student housing. And they get like super rowdy and will destroy the property without security. So that, you know, there is a very, very high incentive for them not to lose security, not even for a day. Because as soon as they figure out there's nobody there for security, they will just run rampant. Yeah, super cool. Um, so switching gears a little bit. So just in terms of the delivery of the service. Like how do how do you handle say when somebody calls in sick or can't can't come to work or no shows for a shift? What what happens then? False uh, in the regional manager, right? They got a list that they can call. If they cannot find anybody, they got to show up themselves and cover that shift. Wow! So those guys are those guys are on call then. They that's a that seems like a pretty high pressure job. If they, I mean, in, in theory, if they are staff and they re- have reliable people. It should be the easiest job in the world mm-hmm. because you're literally just, you know, coaching, like you're just coaching, right? You're just like, you make the schedule, you make sure that things are people, that people are doing what they're supposed to do and uh, life is great. But when you're under staff or when you have issues with people not being reliable, then it can be a high pressure job, like you mentioned. Yeah, I hear you. And then what... um you talked about insurance and liability, and that's why you don't arm the people, which sounds really smart. What is the overall liability? I assume you have contracts with the people that if something happens, the customers, while something happens on st- yeah. on site, you're not liable for that. Like, how, how are you mitigating? How do you see the liability for the business and how do you mitigate that? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, we make sure that we train our people really well when it comes to de-escalating situations mm-hmm. and uh, you know use force as a last resource kind of thing like we're there to observe and report you know if somebody's being harmed or anything of course we got to intervene but don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to have to fight a mob don't put yourself in a situation where somebody has a weapon you know you're going to put yourself in the middle of it i mean people are people right so you try to put all those things out there, things still happen uh, from time to time. That's why our workers comp costs what it costs. That's why your general liability costs what it costs. And uh, again, you know, here in August, we have uh, our new, uh, our new time to look for insurance and, you know, we're going to, we're going to vet it out as much as we can, but we know that 
it, it, it's a heavy, heavy bill every single time. Yeah. Super cool. And then, so the, the regional managers that you, that you have, you know, obviously the worry with them is mm -hmm. them, you know, they have the relationship with the scarce resource, which is the employees, you know, what have you done to keep them from going out and starting mm -hmm. their own security company and competing with you? How, how do you think about that, 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 that risk? Yeah, we do have, we do have non-competes. We got non-disparagement. We got all these things in place uh, for it. It is a very real thing uh, that it's possible that they could do something like that. Again, you know, you, you can put legal documents and that's what we've done uh, for it. But I mean, the risk is still there. Like you can't really, there's not much more you can do about it besides treating them well and, and you know, giving them the tools that they need to do their job. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like, it sounds like you're, you're also really trying to create an environment where they feel like valued team members and supported. And you, you took, oh, yeah. unlike most people, you took the PPP money and gave them raises. Like <laughs> there's a lot of companies that didn't do that with PPP money. Yeah. 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 And it was a pretty, pretty big raise, you know, 20 to 25%. And uh, they deserved it. You know, they were, as soon as I got in, I, I, I understood that they were underpaid and they were worth more. And I don't want them to think, you know, that they can get more somewhere else and just leave because that turnover on a regional manager will be very painful. Well, and it, it sounds sounds like on the customer side, you went back and made sure the customers were paying a fair rate for a premium service. And then you started to pay your staff like they were delivering a premium yeah. service. And I think you can you can see how that creates a very beneficial flywheel. You start to get better customers, which helps you pay for better um, better people and the better people tell other people who come work for you so you can get more good customers like the super duper smart like that's neat yeah yeah i mean they, thank you and in, and in house it has worked well you know one of the things also that we uh that we discovered this year even though you know we still have that want that get into the corporate security and government contracts what we come to realize is that the margins they're not that good you know, we're getting better margins in multifamily. It sounds like what you were saying was in the multifamily and some of these smaller properties, it's a much better business to be in in some regards because these big government contracts or big facilities, there's a lot more competition there, lower margin, less interesting in terms of being in that business. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we look into taking over a corporate deal here in Fort Collins and it was four buildings and they wanted, you know, you got to get that contract. You, we will have to buy another vehicle, buy all kinds of outfits for uniforms, hire about seven people to run those, and the margins were in the tens to fifteen percent compared to our average twenty to twenty-five percent. So by volume, yes, you make money, but it's more work for less pay when you see the bigger picture. Yeah, really cool. That leads, I think, in the next question, like what what is your long-term plan with the business? Do you just more of the same? Where, where do you plan on taking it and what do you want to do with it? Yeah, so basically right now, one thing that, that I discussed with my business partner on how we grow is we don't want to grow for the sake of growth. We want to grow smart and only take on very profitable business. If it's not within you know the parameters that we want to be, we don't want to do it. Because again, why would you want more work for for a lower margin, right? It's a headache already trying to get people through the door. So if it's not priced correctly, you're probably not going to get a good employee through the door either. So at this point, keeping what we have, 
making sure that the rates are where they need to be. And then we're actually looking also into ancillary services, which would be more into the software side. That's our background too, for uh, cameras and, you know, kind of security software for the property, I guess will be something complementary when we currently do besides physical security. Yeah. So that's cool. So finding, finding other things to sell to the same customers sounds super smart, especially if it can, it can leverage the same relationship you already have. So really neat. Cool. What, what things would, when you talk to people about the business, are there things that we haven't covered that, that are, would surprise people about you know, the dynamics of how the business works? Um, I, I think uh, people don't realize that a lot of this security piece, it's a lot about customer service too. Mm-hmm. We have won so much business out of all their competitors just because our guards actually talk to the residents and introduce themselves or, you know, make conversation and we're friendly. And, you know, the other guard from another company was just there, never really talked to anybody. So, you know, that communication piece or that friendliness goes a really long way on a business where nobody expects it. Interesting. Yeah. And so it comes back to, Kind of what you talked about at the beginning, which is this is about providing peace of mind for the landowner and and the residents. And part of doing that is training your people to engage with the residents and with the landowner to be part of the team, right? And make them make and help build that kind of trust and level of reassurance. That's really cool. A clear example of that is in in Arizona in Tucson, we literally call it uh, the elevation security block. There's a block that we started with like two, three properties. And now we have like almost every single property on that block just because uh, our our guards are walking the street, even outside. And our regional manager is always also uh, walking that street, coming in on our properties. So it makes a big difference for sure. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, man, this has been super cool. Like I am so impressed by the clarity of thought that you have around business. Like it's really impressive. I wish I think you're younger than me. I wish I could have thought as clearly about business as as you are. So, um, really, really optimistic about where you're going to go in your career. This is super cool. Yeah, really, really appreciate appreciate it, Mike. One thing also I think that I should mention is a lot of the things that I implemented is things that I learned in other companies, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think what a lot of people don't realize is. On their corporate job, they have learned so many skills, processes, and procedures that are applicable to any business if they just took a leap of faith and chance to, to go do their own business. And uh, one clear additional clear example of it, as soon as I got uh, in, another thing that I did is I changed our contract. So we had a standard contract, but being on the community laundry lease industry, Man, those contracts are tight. Yeah. And uh, they know what they're doing. So, some of the things that I implemented also is you put a fee language on your contract, you put a CPI index on your contract. So, you can also raise your prices without having to notify it all the time, uh, just according to the CPI index. You try to get our renewals approved if possible. It's just all these things that, again, that are part of other businesses that I've learned that. It's applicable to any service business. Yeah, super cool, super cool. Well, great. Well, in, in closing, how can listeners, you know, follow your journey or help you? I, I assume you're you're always looking for folks that want to work there uh, or potential customers. What what would be the most helpful way listeners could help? Yeah, absolutely. So, elevationsecurity.com. That's another thing that we did with PPP Money. We revamped the website, so 
it's looking pretty nice right now. And then uh, I'm also on Twitter. I mean, that's how I found you or how Franco found me. So my handle is uh, at Bruno Lujan1725. Uh, again, that's at Bruno Lujan1725. 1725. Oh, cool. All right. I'm clicking the follow button. I'm number 70. Number 70. Hopefully we'll get you a lot more, you know, just your your clarity of thought around this is just so cool. And uh, and I know more people will want to follow you on Twitter and engage with you as well. So this is great, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Look forward to getting this episode up. I think people are going to be really inspired by your story and also the wisdom you shared about how you're approaching the business. It's just so cool. Yeah. Appreciate it. Happy, happy to do it. And enjoy your time in Colorado. (laughs) Cool, man. All right. I'm going to click the stop button, but for all the listeners, thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. See you next week. Mm -hmm.